Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey everybody, welcome to Performance Anxiety. We're doing a special edition of Side Projects. I'm your host, Mark, and I wanted to thank our sponsor, AKG, for sending us their Podcaster Essentials Kit. It's got a great Lira mic and amazing headphones. If you've ever thought about doing your own podcast, this is the best, most affordable way to get into it. Jay Rifle returns with a menu based on a playlist sent to him by yours truly. There were no parameters other than to use a minimum of three songs. Jay reached into his historical bag of tricks and came up with a menu based on an event hosted by Roman Emperor Domitian called the Black Dinner, or alternately, the Dinner from Hell. Every course he served was black. In addition, the senators in attendance didn't know if they would even survive the meal, literally. And let's give a shout out to Apesius while we're at it. So follow Jay at Jay Rifle and at Edible History. Check out other historical menus at ediblehistoryNYC.com. Follow us at Performance ANX on social media. And you can pick up a cup of coffee for us at ko-fi.com slash performanceanxiety. Merch is available at performanceanx.threadless.com. And check out all the other great podcasts on our home, the Pantheon Podcast Network. Podcasts like Highway Hi-Fi. That show always makes me laugh. Between the subject matter and the dry sense of humor, it's just a great show. So belly up and check out the soundtrack to The Black Dinner with Jay Rifle on Performance Anxiety, part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. How's it going, man? Good. How are you doing? Uh, pretty good. Uh, a lot of stupid work and some not stupid work, but mostly stupid. Uh, tell me about it. Uh, fortunately, <laughs> you're in an industry where you get to be a little more creative than me, though. 
You don't actually understand what I do for a living. No, I don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, I do. And, you know, I sneak off into the corner and get to work on my creative stuff. And in the meantime, I, you know, I make things happen. Make a bunch so. of burgers for ball players. Actually, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Frankly, <laughs> that's what I do. You can have all these wonderful oh. things. What would you like? A burger. Oh, that's okay. true. I mean, you know, whatever. It is what it is. We yeah. cook nice food. They're happy. Everybody's happy. It's got to be an interesting environment. It's it's not everybody gets to do that. So true. Um, <clears throat> so uh, you sent me a list of songs. Yes, I did. A, a long list, and I chose <laughs> nine out of twenty. Yes. And then I composed a menu inspired by the tonality of the, the songs you gave me. And I can explain my logic. Yes. Um, I think we're going to have to because the... Uh, I didn't know how to explain the whole concept. <laughs> I, I Sometimes I just get these ridiculous ideas in my head. Like, what would... If I was going to do this, what would the music version of this be? So that's why I thought when we had... When I had you on and we recorded your first episode, I thought, this is the guy I need to talk to because he, he's got some interesting stuff going on. So the, the, for the listeners, the whole premise is a musical menu. And I think I inadvertently influenced the menu by choosing and making the playlist that I did. And... <laughs> I chose a lot of heavy music because when we did the last episode, you, you know, I were talking about some music and, you know, on and off mic and, and you'd mentioned that you liked heavy music. So, so when we, you agreed to do this episode, I'm like, okay, let me send him some interesting heavy stuff. And I tried, I don't want to say, well, it didn't start off this way. I ended up using a lot of music from f former podcast guests and it didn't start off that way because the first song I put on there was a band called Holy Fawn, who I did reach out to, and they have declined my invitation to be on the podcast. But who knows? Maybe after this, they'll reconsider. So, yeah, I'm starting with them, so maybe they'll change their mind, and if not, I'll write them out. <laughs> so I hope that I didn't have any undue influence on the menu by choosing so many heavy songs. I did try to lighten it up with some. So, cause no, I, I think it worked out really, really well. I mean, I messed around for a while, and then it just it snapped into a real inspiration. So I'm going to call this a really inspired, questionable idea. Okay. <laughs> so uh, you, you mentioned that there is an overall theme of the menu uh, based so on a historical menu. So can you right. give me an explanation so, of that? <laughs> so I was listening, I was listening to various songs. They were kind of heavy and somewhat kind of dirgy. And there was, there was a lot of different stuff. And particularly like I kind of selected the stuff that resonated with me. And I'd actually, I'd heard one or two of these bands, but I hadn't heard these songs. So it was kind of fun i'm a little bit of a stick in the mud sometimes um <laughs> about new music so i'm just some old guy what do you know <laughs> um edit that out in your podcast i'm young and virile exactly um, it's all audio nobody so knows anything there's there's actually a dinner that we at edible history riff on sometimes and i've done like a riff on it and so there's nothing better or worse, depending on your point of view, than uh, a mad Roman emperor with a sense of humor. 
<laughs> and there have been several. So, and one was a dude named Domitian. He's a cool dude. And he had this very famous dinner that is alternately referred to as the Black Dinner or the Dinner from Hell. Okay. And to, to give you a little bit of context of other Roman emperors with a sense of humor who had dinners, um, there was an emperor who invited a large number of guests to a dinner and drowned them in rose petals. Oh. And I'd like you to think about the the mechanics of this for a moment. Because, like, that's a lot of rose petals. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's, that's farms upon farms of, of rose petals. And I'm not exactly sure what the backstory is. There is, like, some reasonable historical precedence for this. It did probably happen. You know, oh, I don't know whether wow. it was a glut in the rose petal market. He was like, well, I have these six to eight tons of rose petals that no one knows to do with. And these guests and I don't like them. And, you know, so there was that. And then there's stuff like in the middle of a dinner, you release the jackals and hyenas onto your guests. Wow. totally happened. And no, this is a good part. Oh. So this is, once again, we're talking about sensitive humor here. So the jackals and hyenas were tame. Okay. But the guests did not know that. Oh. So they were, for a reasonable period of time, absolutely convinced they were going to be devoured alive by jackals and hyenas. First of all, this man had access to large numbers of tame jackals and hyenas, which is, you know, it's just, it's good to be a Roman emperor sometimes. It, oh, Mel Brooks was right, man. It is good to be it's king. It's good to be the king. Yeah, he was, he was not wrong. So there's, <laughs> there's, some, there's a number of examples such as these that we're looking at. So the uh, black dinner, uh, Domitian invited a number of guests to a dinner. And I'm invited is a term, but it's like <laughs> you're not going to say, no, Emperor Domitian, I, I will not be attending your your dinner. I've hell. got plans. Yeah, exactly. No, you, you had to show up. So everybody showed up and everyone was attended by a beautiful boy page and somber music was playing and they were served many courses of food, all of which was black oh. while dirty music played in the background. Oh my gosh. And we'll find out how it ended at the end, but I'm not going to tell you now how it ended. Okay. So. Can I ask a question? And, and maybe, yes, maybe you, you will answer this as we go. Maybe it's, maybe it's something that you can't answer right now without giving it away, but either way, I'm fine. How was everything blackened? Was, I mean, was it blackened by adding uh, something while it was cooking, or was it blackened with dies afterwards short answer i'm not 100 percent sure but actually in my new cookbook there is a whole sidebar on exactly this oh, and cool. so certain things were probably cooked with squid ink which is a traditional way even like in modern italian food you'll see squid ink pasta yes um often and like in the very fine dining world for a while there was a thing where people were doing blackened stuff with uh plant ashes like leek ashes were like super hip for a second and they're actually really good <laughs> i used to make a here's a funny story i used to make this amazing sauce that i had at this restaurant in mexico city that it's made with chard i usually use serrano peppers and i told my friend i made this amazing sauce with serrano peppers and black garlic and blah 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 and whatever and 
he tried to, I gave him the recipe and he tried to duplicate the sauce, but he's like, I'm going to make it, you know, really good. And I'm going to make it with habaneros. And he, so what you do is you put them in a 500 degree oven and you absolutely carbonize them. You turn them to carbon. Oh, wow. But of course, at the same time, you take all the capsaicin oil and then which basically aerosolizes and he opened his oven and was basically pepper sprayed oh. <laughs> and like just ab- he's absolutely crippled i'm like you're a crazy person why you know like i said serranos but whatever so so but yeah there's there, there is a there are various uses of ash you know to darken stuff when i have done dishes from the black dinner i usually use it commercial gel dye which is just black and the only thing that's funny is that commercial black dyes are actually super dark green dyes oh so everyone who ate the dinner and i know a couple people because they mentioned it to me totally pooped green the next day (laughs) so that was awesome too that is awesome but no, it's not. It's not actually known how they blacken the food, and also, like you know, when you look at a lot of historical cuisine, you'll often realize that stuff that they say is red or green is not. You know, it's like they'll often call it, like if you look at a very popular medieval sauce, a sauce carmeline, because it was red. It's red because it has a ton of like red wine vinegar and cinnamon in it. So I've made it, uh-huh. and you know, it's ochre or. <laughs> pink or you would never think of it in a modern sense as red okay. you know but but they called it so it's, it's unclear how black the food actually was it's not unclear that they were terrified out of their minds which is you know totally awesome so yeah so i took the musical cues and uh i created my version of of the dinner from from Apicius, which is the world's oldest full cookbook a cookbook that's actually a large collection of, of recipes. It was probably originally written first century BCE. Oh, wow. And it's cobbled together. It has, a, it has recipes from across the Roman Empire, um, often regional, but like there's Greek recipes and there's a lot of Roman recipes. And there's some that are like, oh, Lucanian sausages, which are actually still a thing. Like they still make, oh, which is wow. like, it's a province I forget where. It might be Dalmatia or somewhere, but I'm going to get that wrong and somebody's going to like... <laughs> Twitter me or something. I don't think anybody's going to know that I, I one. Don't know, I don't know everything, but you know. Well, I mean, there's probably people still, it's probably still called that and people live there. They're like, we don't live there. We live here. I don't, hey. I don't know how many uh, Lucasians listen to the podcast, but <laughs> also, this is also an issue. I would like to be so, the number one podcast there. So yes, we'll, I will be, we'll, we'll work on that. I'll be tagging them judiciously oh. in everything here. So, all right. Well, so, so cool. <laughs> why don't we let's get started? So, you mentioned right. the first course is so the first course. The first course was indeed Holy Fawn, actually. Who Holy Fawn? You should not be on his podcast because <laughs> um, you're cool, and I really like the song. Um, it has a really slow intro, and then it gets really heavy, and it's medium long, and just sets this tone of like, oh, this cannot possibly be good.
right. which, you know, which I, which I really liked. And I started the dinner with uh, spiced honey wine, because that is the way you would start any traditional Roman multi-course dinner back in the day. And this was a wine that was sweetened with honey and spices and... There's a there's an extremely honeyed version, which is called like the honeyed drink for travelers because oh, you're wow. tired and you need some gulps of honey, I guess. No, yeah. it, it actually makes sense. There's like a ton of quick energy and stuff, but this was like a very traditional and like there's a recipe in the cookbook and it's really it's really quite delicious. I mean, so it's, it's the early it's red very bowl. sweet. Yeah, it's an early red bowl. It's like a super you know, it's like a super suit. It's it's like a dessert wine, but like, but it's like if you were starting dinner with a glass of really good port. Okay. You know, which is how everyone should start dinner, frankly. Ah. Um, I so, like that. I'll be used to ending dinner with that. I'm going to have to <laughs> yeah, I mean, start dinner with it. Yes. Um, you know, it, it awakens. So there's this whole, I'm not, I'm not going to torture with, with this really complex ideas of humoral medicine where like food adjusted your internal humors and that's how you kept yourself healthy. And wow, it actually, I mean, like funny things, like the, the reason you still have a cheese plate at the end of a dinner is actually has to do with these ideas about humoral medicine that go back solidly 2000 years. But like, that that you know, so that was that was how I started the dinner, and I like to imagine for a moment that there's you know you're a group of Roman senators and you're sitting in the Domitian, you know the, the emperor is reclining on his couch with his extremely beautiful page and the somber music is playing and you're just like oh yes let's just try to get through this meal <laughs> let's just let's just hope that everything will turn out really well maybe um, things will pick up. Yeah, you know, as we go along, but you know, but no, the next black, the next black dish comes out, and the second song was um, Catatonia. Yes, follower. By um, Cat so the follower. first, the first course was Darkstone by Holy Fawn. Yes, the yes. second course is Follower by Catatonia. Yeah, which also has this really, it starts to this really nice kind of driving baseline, and I felt like it really moved the dinner forward. It's like it's okay, now we're moving, we're in motion. a super aggressive way still in a kind of like we're just moving forward the freight train is just taking you to a place you may not want to go gathering momentum um, for better or worse exactly okay so the, the dish i did uh for this i think it's a really nice starter is, is a dish that that i i love the title because the title is peas supreme style 
I'm talking just dish of peas. And this is actually one of the most sophisticated and interesting dishes, like maybe in all of like this era. And this is 2000 years old. So of, of Roman cuisine. And it's, it's something like a classical terrine. Okay. And a terrine is like some kind of, layered or baked often a force meat often like ground up meat like a liver or ground up pork something but this is this is a a huge number of layers so what it is is you're taking leeks and small game birds and peas of course and toasted pine nuts um and actually actually lucanian sausages as we mentioned which are made in a different in a different recipe and you're cooking all these things separately in a spiced broth right so you cook them all separately and then you take a mold or a square you know deep square plate like a loaf pan or whatever and you put in call fat and call fat is this webbed fat netting that encloses the internal organs of animals if anyone on the podcast is a fan of old school iron chef like japanese iron chef yes you used to see it all the time like oh he's pulling out the fat netting okay and it's terrifying (laughs) it's ultra thin it looks like a thin brain case it is just this weird membranous fat netting it's terrifying it's disgusting (laughs) it's so metal (laughs) so you line the interior of the terrine pan you know with the fat netting okay and then you put the pine nuts in and then you put a layer of peas and you put a layer of game birds and you put a layer of poached leeks and you put a layer of sausages and you put a layer of poached bacon and you put a layer of peas and a layer of game birds and a pair of leeks and a pair of poached sausages and you keep building it up and you and you you know fold the brain-like monstrosity of the fat netting around it. I mean, this is all, you see this in classical French cuisine. It's called crepinette because that, that fat netting in French is called crepine. And then you bake it in the oven so everything cooks together and the fat netting browns, you know. Wow. And then you turn it over and you decant it. And if you look at my Instagram, I have a really amazing picture of it. And then you actually make this sauce, which is like egg yolks and white wine and more pine nuts and some spices. And it's just incredibly sophisticated. I mean, it's just, this is a, this is a very complex recipe that is a lot of steps, is technically demanding and has its own sauce for it. And it's solidly at least 2000 years old. And it just, it's, it's kind of mind blowing. Have you made this I now, have. Wow. Yeah, check out my Instagram. There's a there's a sick picture of, picture of it. So and, um, I, and it is in my cookbook, which you can buy in two years. So. <laughs> and I will but be such as such as the publishing industry. Yeah, no, unfortunately, <laughs> and I will probably be asking you that question for every single one of these because some uh, I will just it'll actually be pretty obvious which ones I've made and which ones I haven't <laughs> all right although there's like there's a couple that are like maybe here so uh that's a second okay. course so that's a second um, course, yeah. I mean, there are nine courses by the way I've, you, you sent me 20 songs and I did nine courses so, yes um, and you were free the, to do as many as you want so the right I said at least three courses but as many as you like 
So if we ever do this again, we'll, we'll do Versailles and I'll do 14. Ooh. Then you'll have to send me like 50 songs. So yeah, no take kidding. Me, take me longer. Um, <laughs> and I'm not having got to that chapter. Maybe, yet. maybe. All right, like cool. All right, so the third course is actually an homage to you because you spoke so highly of Black Hole Motorcycle Club and I'm like, so I have to, have to oh, work them in somewhere. Thank you. Um, and I actually really like this song. This song is uh, carried from the start. Yes, off their latest. Um, and um, is like I two years really old. like the opening, the opening lyric, which is like, "Oh my can I can't read my handwriting." There's no one uh, ready for this. There's no one ready for this. Yes. There's no one ready for this and for this Our calls are all faded into shadow There's no one waiting on this and all this What calls us all left us from the start Take what you want, take what you need You take off till I'll didn't have the word no there so it made no sense at all there's no one ready for this ready for this and it repeats that lyric in this really nice way like and then it, it builds that lyric to the beginning of the next line i just thought it was like a really nice way to, to put a lyric together it's still i wanted to keep this idea of like you have to go back to these centers who are waiting and they're thinking like where is this dinner going and right. this is the next song and i did a, a course which is actually interesting it's called uh it's called Tramalchio's Pig, and it's in a sense it's apocryphal. It's from uh, the Satyricon by Petronius, which is the first, it's one of the earliest novels. It's a satirical novel. It doesn't all exist, so this is actually, and there's a very famous scene that involves Tramalchio, who is, you have to think of him as like a, a kind of douchey, nouveau riche Roman, right? <laughs> and, and this is kind of a send-up. So this whole feast is a send-up of nouveau riche Romans. And I, I can't remember if I talked about this before. If you ever seen the Romans, they did this really funny thing, that, you know, because like Romans had this idea of themselves, like, we are the conquerors of the world. We're this tough, martial people. But right. The problem is when you're so powerful you end up being incredibly wealthy and then they could have all this cool stuff and then they would worry that this cool stuff was making them weak right so yes. then they would pass laws against their cool stuff and like they would pass these things called sumptuary laws where they would like prohibit private ownerships of fish ponds and wearing certain kinds of clothes and how many like how many courses you could have in a meal oh wow so Trabalchio's feast is kind of a send-up of these, like, nouveau riches. This is a newly rich trading Roman, and he has this very elaborate, like, ridiculous meal that just sounds totally amazing, frankly. <laughs> One day I will recreate the whole thing, but a very famous thing. So his cook comes up with this, um, sorry, some 
Jack is coming. His cook <laughs> presents this large uh, roasted pig, and he starts to serve the pig out to everyone. And the intestines of the pig spill out onto the table, and everybody's like, "Dude, your chef doesn't have a gut a pig." Yes. And Jurassic is like, "No problem." I will execute him, or I will at least beat him to death in front of you. Because and <laughs> and uh, and the chef goes, no, wait, wait, I will gut it for you right now. Just give me one moment. Just wait one second, and it's all a ruse, you see. Um, uh. It's a joke, and actually, he stuffed the pigs with sausages. <laughs> and I actually like to do this. Clever. I make a freestanding pig, and I stuff the sausages in the belly of the pig, and I roast the whole thing. And I slid it open in front of people and the sausages fall out and a good time is had by all. Oh, that is awesome. And the sausages I used for our current example, which I have made, although I've actually never stuffed them inside a pig. I used different sausages for that, <laughs> are a blood sausage with pine nuts. Oh, wow. Which is actually totally delicious. I've served, I once served this um, with oysters and a cumin sauce, which will actually occurs later in this this menu and they're really great. I mean, I think blood sausages are one of the things that are like, they seem gross, but they're actually quite wonderful. Um, they're quite delicate. These have a, it's funny. They have an ingredient, which is called screw pine essence, basically, or fresh screw pine. Okay. Which, it's really funny. I had to do all this research trying to figure out what it was. And then my Indian food guru, who's an enormous Scottish man, <laughs> Who's teaching robots to cook? I kid you not. Oh wow, he's amazing. My friend Johnny, he's totally amazing. And um, he's like, "Oh, it's kale water, duh." And it is so screw. It's it's actually an ingredient that you see quite commonly in Indian cooking today. And it's just it's it's kind of piney, and it's just a weird, just a weird thing. Then I went down to the Indian <laughs> grocery and bought it, and there, you know, there I was in Rome. Oh my god, really well. but. It's it's totally cool. So I I'd have also, to check. I've only had blood sausage once or twice, and I think it was overcooked like profoundly. So I I would be willing. It kind to... of always is. I mean, it tends to be crumbly and um, okay. It, it just depends. What was it? Was it French or British or what, what was it? Uh, it was in an Irish restaurant. Oh yeah, so it was a black pudding. Yes. And they do tend to hammer them, and they they can be a little bland. They're usually made with grain and blood and a lot of fat. Yeah, and they they can you know I've, I've had really great black pudding and I've had very eh black pudding. You know, like like I and black pudding is common enough if you go to a supermarket in Britain, you can buy it and it like won't be great. But you know, so. But it's, this, these are cool. They they have pine nuts in them, and they're they're quite flavorful, and they're they're pretty good. I would definitely give it a shot. <laughs> um, All right. Okay. I just really did because they're metal, you know. Oh god. So <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's the, the most metal food of all. Blood pudding. <laughs> it really is. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. course uh, the song is king buzzo housing luxury energy and uh for all those who do know king buzzo is of course uh the lead definitely from the melvins buzz osborne buzz whoever like you know i'm sure everybody knows like the greatest slow heavy one one of the greatest oh. slowest heavy bands like one of the original 
slow, heavy band. Sludgy. Like, you know, sludgy, sludge metal, like amazing. I saw a million years ago, and I remember it like it was yesterday. I've never had a chance to see them live, but I'm hoping I get to when they come around sometime. Between every single song, Buzz leaned into the mic and said in a low voice, and now for another punk rock song. (laughs) It was awesome. It was so much fun. He's got the best sense Um, of humor. It's also incredibly hard. Like, seriously, it's really hard to play drums that slow. It just is. Very impressive. <laughs> totally not kidding at all. So for them, this is this is a dish. This is the first dish that I've never made. Okay. Boiled ostrich. I can see why that is not something you make a lot. Yeah, I've totally got a guy. I've got an ostrich guy. I've got a camel guy. I've got a raw camel milk guy. You've got an ostrich monger. I do. The funny, the, the raw camel milk guy is, I think he's like, he's Pennsylvania Dutch. He's got camels. Oh, Very weird. That, yeah. I wasn't expecting that to be your guy. He, I wasn't either. I'm like, and this guy, this other guy told me, you know, dude, I can, I can get you raw camel milk. And I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, it's a Pennsylvania Dutch guy. I'm like, oh, man, just, keep it, keep it down, keep it down. Weird. Uh, I Don't can also get loud. you fermented camel's milk, which is kumis, at the Uzbek market down in Brighton Beach, and it's better than the horse milk hummus. Oh, I, I'm i going to take it. It's richer. I, I, I served at the Beard House, no joke. Really? I did. Oh, Pretty my. Good. I would have nothing to compare either one of those two. Horse. It's, you know, honestly, it's not that different from something like buttermilk, except it's extremely mildly alcoholic in theory. I mean, it's like 0.5%, you know, like 0.5 ABV. Um, I served it with Baiju, which is the world's most popular booze, which is starts around 110 proof, so 55% ABV. Wow. It's funny, Baiju, everybody, you know, it's actually the world's most popular distilled beverage, but they only drink it in China, and there's oh well, there's several people in China. There's a couple, yeah. I, <laughs> I hear they're they're growing. It... <laughs> uh, but it's cool. There's actually Baijiu pits uh, in in China where like it's actually you literally put uh, sorghum and millet usually in the gr- in these pits you dig in the ground and it's a dry ferment. And then oh, you wow. steam it to get the alcohol off. And there are pits in China that they, they have been continuously fermenting baijiu in for a thousand years. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's totally cool. That's <laughs> like, it, can be, it, it ranges from like kind of turpentiney and weird to like intensely barnyardy. 
Like, I mean, it's, it can be really like, oh, this is what is like you distill the goat's ass. It tastes like this, but it's also kind of good. So, I mean, what, you know, tequila. So what, you know, what's that whatever. saying about me? Exactly. But it's cool. So, <laughs> so boiled ostrich is so the boiled ostrich. And it's actually, it's, it's not even a crazy recipe. It's a nice, you know, it's not a whole, it's, it's, you know, you break down an ostrich and you boil it in a very kind of classical Roman, you know, it's got herbs, it's got some spices, it's got some, it's got some honey wine. Probably so pretty good. And something like that, are there typical herbs and spices that they, that they would use? Like uh, if, in uh, you know, if somebody's making a stew, there's you know specific spices that you would use for a stew, almost regardless of what you make in it. Are there stand like standard herbs yeah, and spices? Yeah, I, I think every culture has their little has their little trinity. Like that's basically you know, like French is very basic aromatics, which is like onion and carrot and celery. And then right. another culture might like might swap one of those out, like for red pepper instead of, or they might always have tomatoes or okay. you know. And you have these very common spice mixes, like you see in you know, big, whether it's ancient Middle Eastern food or more modern, you're seeing cumin and caraway and you know coriander and. Um, Coriander also refers to, you know, like both the leaves of the plant and the, the okay. seeds and everything. And you see these same kind of things come kind of upriver, like black pepper, Cuban caraway, black, you know, it's like not, not not at all in common, but like most most cultures have some some kind of grouping that they like. The the cool one that I was that I will get to in a second, but um there's a whole there's a whole riff on that. Okay. Um like a, a lot of cultures have one or two that others that others don't. Like they might have you know, Sichuan pepper, for example, is a very specific thing right. to Sichuan food. Although, you know, the funny thing to remember about like food, like Sichuan food, is remember that like we think of that we think of hot peppers, yeah. which you know only came from South and Central America four hundred years ago. It's like it's not like they had. That's it's like before then they had tons. You know, they had black pepper and they had Sichuan pepper, which isn't even really that hot. It's just it's just weird thing. Um, so yeah, I, know, so I ate either, one either. once by accident. That that wasn't pleasant. Well, it's hot, but they're numbing and weird. I I, I dig them, but you have you know <laughs> you have to know they're coming. Also, it's just, you're a chef too. I'm it's true. I'm a civilian. You know. But I'll, I'll get to an interesting one. So, so the next course, there's only that much stuff you can say. But also, like I thought, like ostriches. Like when I think of like the Melvins music, and I actually like the songs. It has this weird like string intro. Yeah. Um, so I thought the thing that was cool about this song is I wasn't at all expecting the tone of it. You know, it's low, but it's not, it's not Melvin-y. It's not, yeah. you know, it's not heavy at all. It has this kind of like odd sounding string intro, like very tweaked, which is really nice. It's just a cool song. So I, I just liked it. And I, and when I think of the Melvins, it occurred to me that like an ostrich running in extreme, like excruciating slow-mo would be like, a really wonderful like metaphor for the way they sound you know it's awkward and heavy and like boom you see those big weird bony feet going like boom boom so it's like so so i never thought of it that way that's really cool (laughs) man um all right we're like halfway yes so fifth course and i did want to think about oh half like people are like oh we're probably halfway we're still alive. That's good. That's something. Um, There's another course on the way. Yeah. So this was uh, The Liar by Marriages. Yeah. 
anything Emma Ruth Rundle does, I love. There's like a very cool tonality to it. It's kind of atmospheric. It has this really nice kind of shuffle drum beat to it. It's an interesting, nice song. I wasn't expecting, I wasn't sure where it was going. I kind of really liked that as a, as a place for it. And partially because of who's doing it and the name of the song and everything, I went with Spade Sow's Womb. <laughs> a very popular dish among the ancient Romans. Also popular in fast food plates. I, I, just, I think I just saw that on a, uh, on a Wendy's menu. I have actually seen that at like a 99 Ranch Market, believe it or not. I'm not sure it was spade, but I definitely see like pig uterus. Oh, if it's um, not spade, I'm not eating it. Well, they, they actually made a big point of this. They were like, they wanted one that had never born children. They wanted a virginal sow's womb. Does that, um, does that make a difference in taste? It probably does i'm gonna say the same way like immature organs and stuff like that a lot of organs you know change as an animal gets older particularly reproductive organs are going to change you think it's going to be if it's had piglets it's probably going to be like all stretched out or change it probably has more musculature and less i have no idea frankly so this is like like, the veal of wombs exactly this is the veal of wombs yes precisely which is another Metal as shit. It's name. really metal. I mean, come on. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> and, and, and this also used a lot of a, uh, a spice called laser. It's also called silphium. And it's, I feel like we talked about this once, but yes. like, this is the funny example. You can put it in whichever episode you want. So, <laughs> laser was a spice that's interesting for a couple of reasons. A, it was so important to Roman cuisine. It was on coins, and it was the basis for the economy of certain like Roman principalities. Wow. And second of all, no one actually knows what it is because it is extinct. And wow, there's a lot of scholarly debate about what this plant actually does. We, we have some coins and a picture of, you know, like roughly what it looks like. And it was probably the dried sap of the roots of this plant. And most importantly, it is um, probably related to asafoetida or at least tasted similar, which is a spice that's like not used in Western cooking at all, but it's really common in Indian cooking. Okay. In fact, that funky, it's usually described as pungent, that very pungent, <laughs> no, that's usually what I describe that, like you smell it, like 
I, I let people smell it and they're like, oh, I know that smell. It's like that Indian food smell. It's not any of the other spices you're familiar with. And lots of times people think like, oh, it must be some mix of spices. No, it's asafoetida. Okay, it's so a- I, I think, yeah, I know what, you, what you're talking about because there is a specific smell. When you go into an Indian restaurant, you know it's an Indian restaurant immediately. Right, immediately. And that's that's probably the asafoetida because other stuff, it could be Middle East, it could be Moroccan. All yeah. those places have that same mix of like, cumin and and cinnamon and ginger and that that can be a lot of places but like boom asafoetida now that's indian right or ancient rome so it's because it's it's listed as like oh if you can't get laser or silphium because it was fantastically expensive you can use these other things as a substitute okay okay. um so if if you're thinking of like a a specific flavor that you're going to see through lots of roman cuisine it's that and it's interesting that it's so similar to like a specific kind, you know, of Indian food today. Yeah. Um, like pakoras is like a really good example. It's like fried cabbage and potato patties that you get in Indian restaurants. It's very, very, like a very common snack. Yes. The, yes. the funky, the funk of a pakora is asafoetida. Oh, you know? okay. okay. And a little goes a long way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So now people are, you know, that are really enjoying their spade sow's womb. Their really attractive page is fanning them. They're looking forward to maybe some kinky page action later. They're thinking they might make it through this night. So I came to the sixth course and I wanted to really like confuse my diners. I wanted to shock them in a sense. And I went with um, Tamar Afek or Afek. Yeah. Not sure. Russian winter. For a couple reasons. A, the first line is, I know I'm going to lose the war. And it's a great line. It's got a great drum beat. It's got it's got a sick kind of like slightly distorted, that kind of farty distorted bass, which is really yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah, um, that song just punches you in the face. Yeah, it's really fun. It's a really awkward video. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's like, they like it's like, you know, they just really look confused. And it's a weird video and it's, there's just something really weird and awkward about it, which is kind of charming in a strange way, but it's a good yeah. song. I, I liked it, and it's like a real change in tone. It's still kind of driving. It's kind of funky, but it's it's just a, you know, and, and it's compared not to everything else. All. Not at all. And compared to everything else, like the lyric is really clear and in your face. Yeah. You know? I know I'm gonna lose the war in the sea. taking you with me I'll fight through Russian winter straight into your heart you say you can see blood but I plan to miss that part in the cookbook um, shout out to me um, sorry um shout out yourself is, as much as you want which is seafood croquettes and they're they can be either boiled or fried they're basically 
I usually do these. You can do these kind of with any seafood. I usually do them with lobster and scallop. Okay. They're delicate. They're rich. They're delicious. They're basically, it's technically called like a mortararia, which we would call a force meat. And they're just called a mortararia because they're made in a mortar and pestle. You oh. grind it up in a mortar and pestle and you mix spices in there. It's funny. They have a bunch of like these other spices that are like, were very common then or not common now. Like the, like the, the other, like when you think of the spices that are really common in Roman food, you get a lot of lovage, which is this very herbaceous kind of flavor and rue, which is ranges from like, Oh, that's kind of bitter to that's the most horrendous thing I've ever eaten in my life. Oh, very, very popular by the Asian rooms. And it says like, the, like rue leaves taste like bitter tea kind of. Like if you're oh, eating wow. like Earl Grey tea, just about you know, just but taking like a handful also, of it. Yeah, but I've also had it that is just like nail-bitingly bitter. Like you just you just horrendous. Oh wow! Um, so it's actually tricky to write that stuff into a recipe. I actually have to say, like, really taste it because, like, you know, <laughs> this could be really horrendous. But also, you know, a little bit can go a really really long way. So this this um, is definitely a to taste. Exactly. Kind of <laughs> exactly. So it's weird. So like the, the sweetness of the shellfish, it gives it this real kind of bottom note. And they're just they're really nice. It's not usually what we think of as like we when we tend to do these kind of shellfish dishes today, we're much, they're much less herbaceous, we're much more going for like creamy and that kind of French heavy sauces or like yeah. just like a you know, lobster and cream and as you're like, you know, you're like have a couple of high notes on it, not low notes. If you get like a, a like a lobster roll. It's like lobster and tarragon and chive and a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And lemon. Of, and like ton of lemon zest. And yeah. like, it, like it's all high notes where this is all low notes, which is kind of weird to me. That's interesting. Sorry. Yeah. That's, re- the, that's, that's <laughs> completely turned on its head from what I'm used to. Yeah. They're really good. And I do this with it with uh, cumin sauce for shellfish, which is a ton of also a ton of lovage and tons of cumin with uh honey and a lot a lot of vinegar a lot of you know it's it's, a, it's actually a really nice sauce it's also really it's really earthy and nice and it goes i've served with oysters it's 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 a real winner frankly every time you say lovage i get something completely different in my head <laughs> lovage it's it's just it's an herb that used to be very very common up in probably till the 16th or 17th century it's just you know it's like not the, the more globalization happens on a world scale and you begin to have basil and mint and you know thyme and thyme actually goes back really really far but like lovage you know it's like you don't see it but it's it's pretty delicate i would say it's it's something like like americans never use marjoram french people love marjoram i have some of that in my spice cabinet and i have no idea what to do with it uh, now nothing because that stuff goes bad. Really bad. It just, <laughs> no, it's just like it's it's a really delicate spice to begin with and like it's nice. It's you know, but it's not it's not an assertive spice. It's not like something like rosemary, like you know, like it's very, very assertive, very powerful, goes with lots of stuff, goes yeah. with meat really well. Marjoram is definitely like the top note to peas and it's lovely for uh, stuff like that, you know? Well then I'll be cooking some peas. I will have to be throwing out my I don't no, know no, how. Use it. Cook with some peas. See what, see what happens. You know, what's, what's the worst that could happen? That's true. Hey, I, you know, it can't be any worse than what what the <laughs> diners of this meal are thinking right now. Exactly. So, um, they really enjoy that. The Tamar Affix playing. They're like, okay, this is cool. It's delicious. Oh, we, oh, we're still probably gonna die, but that's like, so. The, <laughs> the swans. The looming specter of death is still there. Indeed. 
I went with, you have to go with Swans yes. um, for the seventh course. And uh, one song, Leaving Meaning, it's really long. Yes. It's really the Swans. I saw the Swans a thousand years ago at like the crappiest venue. I saw them in like a crappy like hall at my college. Oh, and wow. And they were so awesome. It was such a great show. And this is like so long ago it was like literally this is not a cool venue like this is like it was like a lecture hall <laughs> and this it was just like you know but they were great i've always loved the swans oh yeah um or is it swans i don't know if it's swans or the swans but it's I think very it's, very yeah i think it's just swans Swans. i don't think there's a, defi- yeah. a definite article yeah i, <laughs> uh, I, like, it, I gotta try to get sorry. michael back on and clarify that <laughs> if he ever wants to come eat my food tell him come on down you got it i will let him him and jarbo i'll, I'll tell him i have lucky to have them both on the show that oh man that's amazing so i like also like the fact that the song is really long and it really gives our diners a time to really think about their mortality <laughs> and where this is going time when a certain kind of suicide was very accepted and they would just you know you'd run a warm bath and slit your veins and just bleed out and nice you know it's like it's kind of cool yeah um probably one of the better ways to go to do it i guess i think i don't know i've never tried it I don't... i'll tell you when i get there <laughs> um, let's try to finish and, this and, course first indeed so i i, I went back and forth between two different courses for for kind of obscure reasons um and i eventually i decided on the episcian dish because it's episcian and so all these recipes come from episcius which is or de culinaria which is the oldest existing cookbook and he was a gourmet of the time and he collected these recipes probably didn't create them so much as amass them okay you know he was he was a wealthy Roman, and the pizza dish I like it again because it's it's quite complex. You know, it's a mixture of yes, sow's belly again, fish, chicken, the breasts of fig peckers or thrushes, which are like small game birds, and it's basically a mince of various meats, some eggs again, pepper and lovage and broth and raisin wine, and then you basically make this mixture, cook it gently, and you sandwich it between thin pancakes like crepes. So I think of this as like a savory milk crepe. If you see those cakes that are made of a layer of crepes, those are really fun to make. (laughs) But I was just like, I wanted to give a shout out 
too epicious uh, on the menu because you know this is this is really it's one of those cookbooks that if if you read it and you're a student of history, it changes. Like it's a really easy way to realize. Well, like Romans really were genuinely sophisticated to an extent that we are today. Is that yeah. they're not? You know, it's like it gives you a sense of the continuity of history, which is like incredibly important to me. I will say the other one that I that I went back and forth about was I liked it because it was titled a harmless salad. Oh, <laughs> and I just I thought it was funny for a couple reasons because a it comes from these ideas of humoral medicine where they. They were like, well, I mean, you can't eat lettuce. That's like deadly, man. I well, mean, lettuce. I mean, blood sausages are fine, but dude, lettuce will kill you. <laughs> so it was it was a recipe designed to balance the humoral qualities of lettuce with like tons of ginger and rue, which is really, as I mentioned, incredibly bitter and but it's dates harmless. and pe- tons of pepper and honey and cumin and all this stuff and you cook it in vinegar and it's basically like a really cool salad dressing but like all to ameliorate the dangers of these deadly raw vegetables yeah. you know <laughs> and I, also the word harmless is inherently funny oh yeah and it brings to me the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy because that book is fucking foundational <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> I went back and forth, and I went. I went with the Episcopalian dish as a shout out, but I did want to mention the harmless salad, you know, because it's cool. Hey, that yeah, <laughs> I'm. I kind of want to look that up myself now. That oh. harmless salad. I actually wrote that down. <laughs> so for the eighth and penultimate course, Ooh. and like, I think they knew it was penultimate. They, they were like, "Huh, we get in the end here." Winding what's down. What's gonna happen? Uh oh. So winding down is winding up. See, that's the problem. Um, oh, it's a <laughs> good point. Medicine, yeah, medicine boy, a bag of bones. Yes. Um, I just think there's something about this song that has this feeling of a coming resolution. I am the thorn sticking in your side. I am your self-destructive soul and pride. I am. people clearly Roman is going okay I'm probably gonna die and I'm just like I'm okay with that and it's it's my first real dessert course and with the caveat that historically dessert wasn't a thing oh like, really dessert okay. didn't become a thing until like vastly later and it emerged at different times in different cultures but most most cultures had sweet dishes but there wasn't like a dessert course there wasn't like you ended with sweet food i mean the honey wine that you begin with is extremely sweet you would probably intersperse sweet and savory dishes throughout you know throughout your meal this is like very common 
through Western cooking until maybe like maybe the 18th or 19th centuries. It was just wow. like dessert wasn't like a thing. I think it was actually in the Middle East and Baghdad. I think it was they had more like sweets and puddings and faluda and you know zalabia and stuff at the end of a meal. But I would have to, I could also be wrong about that, but I have a sense of that also because in those cookbooks, those things tend to occur at the end, you know? Yeah, that's, yeah. Um, So there's actually a couple pretty good sweets in this cookbook, but this one is, it's a nut custard, it's an upside down nut custard. It's a lot like a, think of it like a creme caramel. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it's an egg custard with some, you know, with honey and crushed nuts. Then all that stuff goes on the bottom and you cook it very gently. And then you flip it over and you unmold it from a little mold and you pour honey on top and some pepper. Because that's actually so many of these desserts you'll find finished with a pinch of pepper or a bit of pepper. And that sounds strange to us, but let's remember for a second. Like, remember like 15 years ago when like, salted caramel became a thing yes and people thought that was crazy yeah you know salt on a dessert that's just crazy and that's just so pedestrian now like yeah. I mean, mcdonald's has salted caramel something probably oh uh, for so sure it's like, probably it's salted caramel yeah. spade sounds womb it's just like to, you know but it's like i remember when that was first and people are like this is great and then they taste me like this is amazing yes you yeah. know so you know, it's not that strange. A, a pinch of pepper on stuff. There's a lot of things like that that seem that seem strange when you look at a recipe. I mean, it's easy to forget how sweet barbecue is, or like That's hot so honey on fried chicken. Like you know, these things are like, oh, and you're just, oh yeah, like chicken and waffles. Basically, I'm slathering it in maple syrup, and if it's me, it's red eye gravy because it's. That's like liquid, Ooh. liquid bacon. Oh, that, <laughs> I like a good red eye gravy. Oh man, you are speaking so, my language here. <laughs> so people are enjoying this delicate nut custard, and there's a sense one, of acceptance of their possible yes, thing. Yes, there's one more. There's one more course to go there, and I think I think the mission would tell everyone. Well, there's one more course to go. Please enjoy it. And for the next course, I went with um. Beth Jean's Houghton and the Hooves of Destiny. Yes. The Barely Skinny Bone Tree, which is very much sounds like an ethereal Irish folk song. I would say that's a, a fair description of it. I would agree. Um, it's just lovely. It kind of feels like it goes on forever.
be served an omelet of brains and rose petals. Okay. Because that's weird. That's just weird. I mean, I mean, the funny thing is, like, a brain omelet, I don't know if you ever had, like, they're actually not that uncommon. Lots of, it's, it's a very common way to eat brains. Brains are mostly fat. Like, I've made sausages out of them. They're really, there's a photo on my Instagram that everybody thinks is, like, when you look at it, it looks like strawberry ice cream i'm like no it's brains um oh okay <laughs> I've, i mean i've had sweetbreads but that's oh about, god i love sweetbreads that's about the extent of yeah. my brain consumption they love I mean, sweetbreads it's a good they look like brains they're they're really disgusting to clean frankly like the first time you do it like you blanch it the outer brain membrane gets really tight and you peel it off your hands and like then you like <laughs> Like I usually press sweetbreads under a weight overnight to get more moisture out, and people used to soak them in milk overnight to get the excess blood out. They're yeah. amazing, super unhealthy, super delicious. Sweetbreads are just great. <laughs> um, so I would be serving you a the, the brains and rose petals just because it's like that's just so weird. That and also is. the rose petals harken back to the time I drowned everybody in rose petals. So it gets you thinking about that. And I would also serve it in my imperial role with recipe number 69 titled merely another laxative oh okay so i would serve you those two things and send you on your way home which will probably take you several hours and not end well however no, not if you just had another laxative precisely so this also gives you a clue to the fact that at the end of the dinner from hell <laughs> domitian gave all his guests presents okay. and did not murder them and sent them home. Wow. And that was his idea of a really good joke. That is an amazing... And, and <laughs> the thing to keep in mind is that all of this is black. It's all black. Your page is wearing black. There's dirty music playing in the background. The food is all black. That's just... Because <laughs> as we're going through this, I'm picture. I'm trying to picture what each dish looked like, and I kind of forgot that it's just gonna come out. They're all black. black. Yeah. So I, I'm assuming all of these would be very exotic dishes at the time. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, semi. Some, some not so much spice wine. Everybody would have. Okay. You know, but yeah. But the thing is, it's like the the one thing about historical cuisine is like it's generally if there's a book about it it's not for the middle classes and a lot of these cultures didn't have middle classes you know well, that's a good you know point. they they had they had slaves and they had servants and they had you know retainers and they you know but you know also just the fact if you remember that throughout history books were a real status item i mean this is 1600 years before printing presses you know were invented right, so if right. you had if you had books you know that that was a pretty big deal you know so it's like if you could afford you know if you're being invited by the emperor you're probably not not the middle classes but i mean right but the, the, by the same token like the funny thing is this was a very cosmopolitan society and there were like lots of food stands and what's funny when you look at a lot of the stuff that we would think of as like sweets or desserts mm -hmm. a lot of ones say like oh you can make this at home because they're making a distinction between because normally you would just stop at the local sweet shop guy who's making it's like most you know it's like most country a lot of countries today right they have markets and lots of markets, you know, have little stalls where each stall sells one or two things. Right. You know, that's very much how Roman markets were. Like there's a lot of people making like 
this delicious nut sweet or making this one sweet or making this kind of cookie and you can come buy it. You know, and so the, the recipes for sweets often say like, oh, you can make this at home. <laughs> That's so. awesome. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if you're getting ostrich in Rome, that had to come from somewhere. And a lot of these, you know, once again, like black pepper, if you're getting black pepper in Rome, you know, that black pepper is coming from India. Probably, uh, you know, overland or it's going overland to Egypt and then coming across the Mediterranean by boat. But then again, most of the flour to make bread in Rome came overland from Egypt by boat. So, wow. See, that's, yeah. that's all we don't think of that <laughs> anymore. Yeah, it's just, yeah. just amazing. You just go down to the grocery store and pick up. The, but then again, like, remember, it's like the, the spite, you know, the black pepper that you get. Still came 2000. It wasn't grown in anywhere here. It still came from India. It just right. came on a bigger boat, you know? And it's like, and then your socks probably came from India on a boat. Yeah. You know, we, we just think it very much very. And I mean, the Romans to some extent did too. Like they were like, we are the center of a mighty cosmopolitan empire. And people in Britain, in Rome, Britain Romans were getting black pepper from India. Wow. Jeez. That's crazy. I mean, that stuff is that stuff blows my mind. It's like when you realize that, like, oh, people were complaining in like Dalmatia about the quality of the, you know, the stuff they were getting from China in one, you know, one hundred CE, and that's it's always the quality of stuff from China. <laughs> I'm just using that as an example. <laughs> oh man, Jay, this was awesome. <laughs> I had so much fun with this. I'm, I'm, I did too. I really, it was a great idea. I really enjoyed doing the menu, man. Oh, awesome. We'll have, we'll have to come up with another one. Uh, <laughs> somehow figure something else out, get a couple more people involved. Maybe, uh, absolutely. Maybe do some drinks while it with it. Where can people follow you and, and keep track of, of the, uh, the cookbook in a couple of years when it comes out and, and maybe stop by um, edible history. Uh, you can follow uh, me on Instagram, J Rifle, J A Y R E I F E L. Edible History on Instagram. Should know for Edible History NYC, but th that's our like website. Website. Um, I don't think there's a whole lot of yeah. edible histories on Instagram. I think there's that. You there is one and other, and it's confusing. But like, there, you know, I think it was a TV look for series. The one with the weird stuff. Yeah, that's... I'm the weird stuff. You know. <laughs> Yes, please, you know, follow me, reach out to me, you know, if people want to check out cool stuff, check out the cooking, you know. Oh, yeah. And uh, check out the, the time you beat Bobby Flay, because I've watched <laughs> that several times just because I like watching Bobby Flay get beaten. And it was a really cool episode. So thank you. Thank you again. Thank you so much. So. <laughs> I had so much fun with this one, man.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.